This week on Dueling Review, it's Yusagi Yojimbo Wanderer's Road number 4 from IDW Publishing. Seeking safety from a storm, Yusagi encounters an unusual and frightening fellow ronin. The refuge turns into a dangerous trap as the ronin believes the gods want him to kill Yusagi. Read the thrilling first encounter between Usagi and his most dangerous and terrifying enemy, Jai. Or Jay. Yeah. yeah. Usagi Yojimbo. I love Yosagi. Usagi Yojimbo. Um, you know, this is one that I actually like. Uh, this one was really good. Too bad it's like a 40-year-old comic that our, our listeners conned us into reviewing this week. Are you sure? Yeah, because if you look in in there, in the very front inside cover of Wanderer's Road, it says, this is the colored version of classic Yusagi Tales. I am looking. The inside cover. Yep. Special thanks to Joe Fields. Where does it say that? Oh, here we go. Blade of the Gods. Huh, so it is. Yep. So, ah, you guys, you guys tricked me. I said we don't do reprints, and this is a reprint, and I said we don't do it. And, oh, you guys made me so angry this week. So, going forward, never again shall we review another Usagi Yojimbo comic on this podcast, and it's all your all-owns fault for breaking the rules. I don't think that should be. We should not punish Stan Sakai. I, like, I mean, it's I like not this issue. labeled. No, it's not, as... and that's and that's the that's the reason why I'm not too upset about it is because it's not labeled. But pretty much uh, anything at IDW with with Stan Sakai is I th- except for the ongoing one, which is like I think it's up to issue 17 or something like that. That I think is his new stuff. Anything that is the older stuff that has the old titles on it. Um, definitely that's the old Dark Horse stuff that is being reprinted, but their big thing at IDW is, oh, well, Dark Horse, all they could afford was black and white. We're IDW. We can afford color. <laughs> color. And it looks great. Oh, no, it looks really good. I really like the coloring this, and I do like the story. I, I forget who's the one that's always like, oh, Steven, I wish, maybe it's Olin, that's always like, oh, Steven, I wish you would like this comic just once. And it's like, okay, here you go. Here's a comic that I like. Um, you know, you've got this crazy... Uh, witchy Ronin that uh, you know got a, got sick, and I think it went to his head, and now he thinks that uh, he's communicating with the gods, and the gods want him to go and and kill all evil in the world so that he can ascend to be a god like the other gods. And uh, it's pretty terrifying. This dude has a black blade, and uh, Yusagi goes and meets him in a rainstorm in a in a house, and the guy's like, "Oh, come in. This isn't even my house. I killed the people that were here." Uh, because they were evil and he's like what the heck are you talking about and then all of a sudden in the middle of the night he starts attacking. i think his name is jay or jai jai i would say jai and jai starts attacking him and there's this big giant fight and in the end uh uh jai gets struck down by lightning oh man it is a it is a good it's a good story and it's a good comic um and here's one of the things that i will say about this the story in this one is not that deep if you read like Jai's first encounter with the other warriors that are chasing after him at the beginning mm-hmm. where he's kind of saying, ah, I'm a God. And they're like, are you nuts? And then there's a big, you know, bloodshed moment. Um, yeah. After that, you really don't need to read every single panel if you don't want to, because so much of the action plays out, you know, with, with the actual visuals that uh, uh, Sakai is doing with the characters having their battle. And even though they're having an exchange and even though they're talking and even though they're uh, discussing back and forth, you know, who's crazier and who's evil and who's good. 
um, a lot of it can just be enjoyed just by looking at the pictures. Yeah. I mean, Sakai has a very strong cartoonist thing. And by that, I mean, sometimes you'll, you'll read somebody who, you know, that they, for instance, they write based from a script or Mm -hmm. they, you know, draw it out on the page and then figure out what it's going to be. I feel like Stan knows what's going to happen and does all of it at once. So he has an idea of where the story is going to go. And as he's putting it down on the page, visually and verbally, it's all just sort of this, uh, organic mishmash and i love when a creator can do that i love when you get somebody who it's all visual you know comic books are that combination of the of the images and the words Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you get somebody like this who can put it together it's just ah it's so wonderful and i and i like how in this case the anthropomorphizing of the uh of the characters is very neat too because with Jai, he the way his um, cheek whiskers or cheek hairs would stick out, it really makes him look more like a sharp edged skull wizard, you know, guy that's gonna slice you down in some eighties movie, which is probably yeah. when the story first appeared, by the way. Um, but yeah, it is really really cool to see how he stylizes Jai uh, and counters that with the smooth edges of uh, Usagi. And it just, it's a nice combination, a nice balance back and forth uh, throughout this piece. And of course, you've got the, the white rabbit and the black, whatever Jai is, cat or something. Um, I think he's either a cat or some sort of like jackal. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Uh, I just, it's, it's just really well done. And again, um, for a reprint and getting people to pay uh, for the story again, I think IDW did, made a smart choice in getting uh, a really good colorist on board to bring this to life and it doesn't look like you know how marvel comics when you go and you read the original marvel comic from like 1980 and you really appreciate uh you know how the ink soaked up uh, the paper soaked up all the ink and then you go and you go see the recolored editions dc does the same thing too and it's just this glossy mess of blah yeah they've washed out all of the tone it's just like Boom, bang. Blah. Yeah, it's like hyper color kind of stuff. I don't like that. I mean, it's fine. I mean, that's what happens, I guess, when they print it on slicker paper with better inks or whatever. Uh, but you can just tell it's this is not the way it was originally. Um, this way, you've only got the black and whites before. And you've got, again, some beautiful colors here, which I think makes the the book worth picking up. Now, I think we read Wanderer's Road number one, I believe, several months ago, back probably four months ago. Um, was the last time that we probably did a Yojimbo book. And I think it was, you know, the king or the emperor, whoever has been killed and they're going off chasing after the bad guy. But maybe I'm thinking of a different one. They all kind of bleed together. When I think they all bleed together. Um, I think they all bleed together and, and that's kind of part of the problem too. But most of these are one shot standalone kind of things. So that's right. fine as well. I feel like Usagi Ojimbo adventures aren't necessarily meant to be an ongoing narrative so much as they are stories of the life of this legendary swordsman, who, by the way, this issue came out uh, right before your 18th birthday in 1988. Yeah, see? So you get to a point in the story where it, it, it you know, I, I we talk about the same thing when you do a Hellboy story, where it's like, hey, here's a Hellboy story, mm-hmm. but it's set in 1956. Mm-hmm. Or Atomic Robo is now hanging around in the 70s and he's got an afro. You know, I like the fact that these feel like the the tales that they 
that they should be because mm-hmm. I mean, Usagi Ojimbo is based on an actual figure of myth and lore and legend. And I like the fact that you can just read this issue and go, Hey, this is something that happened to him at some point. I know that uh, Jai later does show up again. Yeah. Yeah. I guess he's a recurring uh, yeah, enemy. He's, well, he's, he's, he's the dangerous, dangerous uh, cat guy person, but yeah. I seem to remember him popping up in a previous issue that we covered somewhere in the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sure. I'm but sure we've, I don't know I think if we've hit here or the MSB. I know we've hit this book probably about four or five times so far. Someone will correct it's us on that. Book. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, somebody's out there. Well, and here's the thing, even though this is like a 35 year old book, uh, almost 40 year old book. Uh, the nice thing is because it's set in a period further back, the Edo period, um, it doesn't feel old, right? So sometimes when you read like Cerberus, uh, you read that and you're like, oh man, this was definitely written by somebody in the 70s. Or you you read, uh, you know, certain certain DC or Marvel characters and you can tell, oh, Captain America, um, you know, when he's running around as Nomad or something. Oh man, you can definitely tell when, when the time period that this was yeah. written. This and, is definitely immediately post Watergate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, because of the time period that it's set, and we don't have that familiarity with it, and we're not dependent on bell bottoms and afros, uh, this is something that I think in 30 years you could probably sell it again uh, with new hyper sparkly colors, and people would still buy it and go, "Yeah, this is really good. This is a really good issue that people should check out." Now, uh, uh, Mark Smith seventy two is listening live in our major spoilers discord server. And don't forget listeners, you can join us live Thursday night, eight o'clock PM central time mm-hmm. in our discord server. If you are a patron over at patreoncom slash major spoilers, and you can listen to us live and you can shout at us uh, during the show and, and chat with us before and after the show. But he's saying, was this a two ninety nine book or did we pay too much? This is a three ninety nine book. And I would argue you probably paid too much. For, mm, I for mean, this book. that's, that's an argument that again is hard to have when the baseline price of a book is three ninety nine. I mean, yes, IDW has colored existing material and repackaged it in a new shiny cover. By the way, the cover is uh, Peach Momoko, and it's yeah, yeah, incredible. and it's really cool. That's that's probably worth an, another seventy five cents on top. So you're getting close to yeah, you know if it was two ninety nine, and then you put in the colors, and then you put in the Peach uh, Momoko cover. Yeah, the, okay, three ninety nine is is I will agree with you there. Yeah, I think you you can at least make the case that this is worth it to see the new presentation of the material. But I feel like the argument about pricing gets harder and harder as you know seven ninety nine and nine ninety nine books become more common. Much as when DC was trying to hold the line at two ninety nine, which by mm-hmm. the way was fifteen years ago. Yeah. Um, you get to a point where you can't always hold that line and granted things have kind of, you know, sprung up exponentially since the eighties in terms of just the overall price of a book. I don't know that we are paying as much more as it, as, as we feel like we do. I mean, what is a dollar 25 for 1984 money? Would that uh, have been what this would have been? Uh, the cover price in 84, yeah, this would have been a, a buck and a quarter in 84. Probably your average book in 84 would have been a $75 book. This one's, you know, a deluxe one full color Liberty Liberty. So this would have been your dollar 25 deluxe book from dark horse or eclipse or first. Yeah. 
So, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to find on eBay if anybody is selling an original and what the original would go for. It would be Usagi Ojimbo number 10 from Fantagraphics is what you're looking for. Because that would give us kind of an idea. Let's see. Uh, Fantastic Critters number 10 uh, is $14.99. Let's see. There's a first appearance of Jai and an appearance of Leonardo TMNT first print, $225. So, uh, yeah, there's one for $48 that's listed as very fine plus. So it looks like you're paying about $40 if you were to get the original with the appearance of Leonardo. A buck and a quarter in 1986 is worth about three dollars in 2020. Yeah, so you're okay. Yeah, you're about you're on so par. So I feel I like you're in that same ballpark. You know, yeah. it 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 does come up against the problem: is having a full color version of a story originally presented in black and white worth three ninety nine a month? You know, well, if you're a lover of Walking Dead, is it worth it to buy those stories yeah. again to have them in full? And and that you know again I would argue that that then gets into is that with the creator's permission or intent or against the creator's intention or uh, intent in the case of right. uh, the Watchmen you know they recolored that and I think it was did Dave Gibbons recolor his own art in that or was it I somebody want to else say that Dave was involved in the recoloring okay and so he, that had hit his his approval we know what Alan Moore thinks about it. Uh, in yeah, the, in the killing joke, they recolored that. And I, again, I don't think that was with, I don't think that the artist, the original colorist was no. approval of that. And so Holland was not in any way on board with that. Yeah. And so you look at that and you're like, well, this is just kind of not the intent of the, the creators for this to be recolored 30 years later. So maybe it's, maybe it's something we should avoid in the case right. of this book though. Uh, Stan Sakai intentionally uh, agreed and uh, wholeheartedly embraces the idea of these tales that, again, 30 years ago was done at Fantagraphics, right? So you're talking small, small indie publisher. They would be the equivalent of a, maybe not Dynamite, but... Yeah, Fantagraphics and Dynamite, I think, would be probably equivalent, at least in 88, because Fantagraphics was putting out the same kind of material in that same sort of vein. They were just like, if you think in terms of, I'm tiers, just thinking you about your, a, your top tier big two, and then you have your second tier. Fantagraphics is probably the top of that third tier. Or the that's what I think. That's tier. what I'm thinking too. So, yeah. you know, at the time, black and white would have been the cheapest way they could have done some stuff. And yep. that's why I think that this works. And that's why I'm glad that Stan Sakai says, let's go ahead and color this. Um, I am, you know, this is a, this is a tale that has good action. It's got a good story. It's got a really good villain in it. And I'm glad it's a villain that continues to plague our hero, uh, through all time and space. Um, you know, and I enjoyed reading it. So, you know, this was, this was a good read. I like our discussion this week about the intent of coloring and not coloring and whether that improves it or not. I still think that there is question on, you know, why, um, there's many reasons why one of them is being ink is, is, is very slowly starting to go away. And so the prices keep jumping up. Uh, right. but, um, you know, I think price is still an issue. I think, uh, you know, the value of a reprint, the reprint has to be presented in a way that improves yes. on it. Right. 
So again, Agreed. when we were talking about the Marvel Master Collections, you know, those hardbound books that you can get at uh, previews every month, those, yep. are, those are those weird, wacky, uh, slick colors that just don't look right on a slick page. Um, that is a, that's a nice presentation. I don't know if I would really want to dive in and read that. This right. one is a different presentation. It's of old material, and it's done in a different way. Uh, George Lucas is great at doing this, right? He gets you to yep. go see the movie, go see Star Wars in the movie theater. <laughs> then he gets you to watch it on television. Then he gets you to buy it on VHS. Then he gets you to buy it in a cleaner version in DVD. Oh, a cleaner version in DVD with special effects. Then he gets you to buy it on Blu-ray. And then he gets you to subscribe $14.95 a month or whatever it is to Disney Plus so you can watch it streaming digital wherever you are in the world. So there's seven times at least that you have paid to watch Star Wars. And by uh, you, you mean I, Stephen. No, no, you, Matthew, me, Stephen. No. I, Matthew, have not paid for it seven times. But, you know, at, but uh, in this Willingham, case, but in this case, you know, each time that you buy that that version of Star Wars, Lucas is trying to enhance it in some way. He's not. And, 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 yes. and when I say enhance it in some way, I'm going I'm talking about VHS to DVD just by itself is enhancing it. DVD to Blu-ray just by itself is enhancing it. Going to a streaming media that you can access anywhere without a DVD player is enhancing it. In this case of this book, it is being enhanced by new cover, new colors. Absolutely. Willingham did this with uh, Pantheon, one of my favorite Willingham oh, yeah, yeah. books. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it was reprinted in full color. And yeah, first of all, it was great. And second of all, I wish they had done it before I had gone in and hand colored shots of some of the characters from Pantheon so that I'd have color shots. But nonetheless, you know, it, they got me to buy it again to get those color versions. In that case, it was worth it. But I feel like, um, you know, with Sakai's work, the black and white in 1988, which, by the way, apparently the issue that this story first appeared in in 88 was a two dollar book. Mm. So it well, cost also, two dollars in 1988. So that, that's more in the, the book. So keep in mind, too, um, the smaller publishers actually had to charge more anyway. Yes, because they didn't necessarily have the same. Yeah, they didn't have the same volume. Sell through in the same yeah, 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 yeah. But this fantagraphic story is also only part, uh, or rather, this story is only part of what that fantagraphic story presented. So I don't mm. know how long that issue is, how many pages are in it. I'd have to actually go dig it out. Or Man, do you have it? Do you own it? Uh, early Usagi Yojimbo? Yeah. Possibly. And wasn't uh, and you know I have I, a bunch of comics that I haven't ever read. Yeah, um, me too. And they're they're in my garage. And I know I have a chunk of Usagi Yojimbo, and I know I have things, you know, like my Cerebus, I've only read in the trade paperbacks, even though I mm -hmm. have huge hunks of individual issues. Because mm -hmm. when I worked in a comic store, I could buy books in bulk at a discount. Yeah. So you know, it's a thing. But yeah, yeah you, you have to ask yourself not just is this something that it's going to be enhanced? Is is it worth it to me? That question of value versus worth. For me, paying for the the reprinted Pantheon stories, hundred percent worth it. Yeah, it wouldn't necessarily be that way if you're not someone who's already attached to the well, story. And so, just like Grew the Wanderer, right? Uh, uh, Usagi has been around for decades, decades, and the stories are still continuing. And so, for a large part of uh, the comic book reading audience of today, maybe not so much a large part of our audience, but uh, a large part of people probably have never read these original adventures. Uh, they probably, I don't know if there have been, I'm sure there have been Usagi collections because Dark Horse certainly would have jumped on that when they had the property. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, but even then, the chance of you wandering into your local comic shop and them having a complete trade collection of that is probably pretty slim. So, you know, this is another way to get that into the hands of new readers, and certainly color is the way to do it. Um, you know, yeah. I was there anything in this book that you didn't like? There really wasn't anything in this book that I didn't like. I don't feel like there's anything in this book to dislike. It is a very, very gifted creator doing his most, you know, iconic creation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a story that's really solid. It feels very, you know, mythical, very cool. And it gives him, you know, a character of equal stature, I guess, to fight against. This oh, is yeah. And the fight, the fight sequences where, are so good in this. Yeah. This is one of the few times where you're like, oh, wait. Uh, Usagi may be outgunned here. Yeah. Usually it's a thing where bad things happen and he takes care of it with his sword. This battle was very, very difficult and ended, you know, with uh, the the bad guy maybe dead, probably mm-hmm. not. Probably and we know not. it's not, but yeah. 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 I don't feel like there's anything to dislike. This is a really, really clean 20 pages of just fine storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad we went off and had some uh, other tangential things to talk about this book because I was ready to come in and go, yep, I liked it. It was good. I like the art. I like the story. I like the coloring. See you later, everyone. And I looked at the two minute mark. and I was like, man, we're going to have to stretch this out in some way, shape or form. And I'm glad that we were able to talk about uh, some of these things. And hopefully that gets you, our dear listener, thinking about yeah. some of the things we've talked about as well. And we certainly encourage you to come in over to our Discord server. There is a link in the show notes where you can come in and you can share your thoughts about this and you can talk with us uh, live, especially when we are doing the show live again on Thursday nights, 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Um, But most importantly, we want you, our dear, 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 dear listeners, to tell us what to read next week. That is correct. You would go to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash major spoilers. You're going to look for dueling review for March, I'm going to say March the 3rd, because my brain is thinking February 31st. Yep. So March 3rd, and you're going to look at the list of books and you're going to choose what you think we should review next week. Oh, maybe from Boom Studios, we will read Berserker number one. Would you uh, like some? Oh, wait. Yeah, different, different, different thing. Buffy the Vampire also, Slayer 23 also comes out from Boom Studios. Dark Horse Comics next week has Deg- Dead Dogs Bite number one, which I was reading the solicitation on that. That sounds very, very interesting. Uh, also, speaking of uh, 30, 40, 50 year old comics, Earth Quest Stargazers Hunt gets a trade paperback collection at Dark Horse next week. Um, uh, Fear Case number two and Overwatch Tracer London Calling number four. Oh, there's a, also Mike Mignola's Quarantine Sketchbook comes out next week for 40 bucks. That's a hardcover. That's a must-buy kind of book right there. Dynamite Entertainment has a James Bond, Agent of Spectre, number one. Son, Sonya Versal, number two. And let's see, there's a couple of other trade paperbacks of Red Sonya and Vampirilla uh, trade paperbacks coming out next week. IDW Publishing has Star Wars High Republic Adventures, number two, which I know several people have already uh, voted for over there on our Patreon page. Also, Transformers Beast Wars, number two, arrives next week. Over at uh, Image Comics, we have uh, Unearth number 10, Noctera, number one. And uh, as we were talking about just a little bit ago, the colored versions of black and white comics, Walking Dead Deluxe, number 10, arrives next week over on the marvel comics side we have avengers 43 avengers mech strike number two demon demon days x-men number one Ooh, that sounds scary 
Demon also, days are here again. Also, we get a bunch of King and Black stuff. We've got uh, King and Black Captain America number one, Gwynnum versus Carnage number three, Handbook number one, Thunderbolts number three, and Wiccan Hulkling number one. All in that King and Black line. Power Pack number four arrives next week, and I did I did see one person already vote for Runaways number thirty four for us to review next week on the show. In all the rest category, we have a chariot number one, Grim Universe Retailers pro- Program. It just says Prague, and I don't think they mean the Prague Rock. <laughs> That's something that costs a lot of money. Uh, let's yeah. see. Jonah and the Unpossible Monsters number one. Peter Grill and Philosopher's Time graphic novel. That's a mature reader's book. Rick and Morty present Jerry Bur- uh, Jerry Burry number one. Oh, Rick and Morty, Jerry, uh, Jerry Burry, number one, and Rick and Morty Worlds Apart, number two. Man, apparently we had a scoop this past week, unintended, uh, because they sent out uh, in their weekly mailer, they're like, oh, by, by the way, here's uh, some exclusive preview pages for the next up and coming uh, Rick and Morty uh, book that we're putting out here at Oni Press. And all of a sudden, my timeline on the weekend was just like, bloop, 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 bloop. Happy to, the, the creators even uh, retweeted and were like, uh, happy to report. Now we can officially talk about the fact that we are uh, doing a new Rick and Morty book. And I was like, holy cow, man. Uh, apparently, <laughs> yeah. we we're the first ones to do it. And I was two days late on running it. So what's going on, all you other sites? Hmm, I think we know what's going on at all those other sites. And that's why everybody comes to Majorspoilers.com. But hey, bait, wait, before we get out of here, uh, we need to talk about DC Comics next week. Amethyst. Yeah. Amethyst arrives in a trade paperback collection for $9.99. Batman number 106 uh, arrives, as does Batman and the Outsiders Volume 3. Crime Syndicate. Ooh, Crime Syndicate, Matthew. Crime Syndicate number one arrives next week. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, for the first week in March, there's certainly a lot of trade paperbacks and reprints coming out from all the publishers in a short week. You would almost think it was a fifth week, even though it's not. Also, there's well, a new fourth week of a three week <laughs> month. So. No, no, this is actually a four. This is actually a four week month. Which four? Uh, February has four weeks in it this this time. Yeah, it ends on a on a Sunday. So it technically, be, it's began began on a Sunday, ends on a Sunday. Suicide Squad number one, Super no, Friends number of forty, Grundy born on a Monday. Truth and Justice number nine. Now that's a digital first, as is Sensational Wonder Woman number nine, a digital first, 99 cents for both of those. And Infinite Frontier number zero. Get a first look at what's coming next. DC next. Y'all need new frontiers. There we go. Uh, listeners, again, head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers. Cast your vote. Let us know what you want us to read next week. And we will be back next time when maybe you will get to hear Matthew say... Noids, do not get it on with doodles. It's the oldest law. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.